You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Listen, tonight I want to minister to you on the topic of controlling power of faith. And this is really, I believe, a extremely important truth to preach in the day that we live in because everybody seems to be out of control. Faith will, in fact, control the circumstances in your life. It'll control the illness in your life. It'll control the financial lack in your life. It will control the hardships in your life. Faith has the power to control those things in your life. And it's kind of like, Satan is kind of like a hitchhiker. If you pick him up, he'll sit in the back for a while, and then he'll want to get up front, next thing you know, he's driving. And when he's driving, you know what he's doing? He's controlling your life. And you see that so much in our culture today where evil is controlling people. But faith will control the circumstances in your life And it will cause them to diminish and open doors for breakthroughs in your life. Can you say amen? So whatever you're facing tonight, I want you to understand and I want you to rejoice that the faith that God gave you when you heard the gospel can control and will control the problems in your life. And we want to stay in the driver's seat. I don't want want the devil in my driver's seat. I want my faith bringing the will and the purpose of God's will in my life to pass. And it's all within you. Now, I'm going to show it to you here from several aspects, but turn to James chapter 1, verse 12. And uh, as you're going there, I want you to think to yourself, many of the things that are happening in your life that have happened, and how many times you just figured, well, it must just be God's will that I'm in the mess that I'm in. And there hasn't been that knowing of the word that your faith can literally control that circumstance. It doesn't mean that you don't go through trials. It doesn't mean that you don't have hardships. But your faith can control it. And it can control it in a way that you will get an outbreak or an end result that is going to be pleasing to you. I don't know how many times I've heard somebody miss God's will simply because the circumstances... Uh, said they couldn't do something. And so they gave in to that, and they moved somewhere. They did something simply because of circumstances and not because of God's will. Faith has power over your circumstances. Because faith in itself doesn't have power, but it is a channel in which God's power operates through. And God's power will operate through anyone's faith. And so whatever you're facing... If you remember this and you apply it, you will be able to see the salvation of the Lord in your life in a great measure and really get blessed. Now, look here in James chapter 1, verse 12. Look at this. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive a crown of life. Say crown of life. Which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, most people, when they interpret that text, they say, it's talking about in the life to come, but it's not. The crown of life is referring to your faith. Once it's been tested and you endure the temptation, God is going to provide for you a reward for not wavering, a reward for trusting him, 
through the midst of the trial. I'll give you an example in Scripture. In Psalms 8, verse 5 and 6, it says that when God created man, he made him in his image and likeness, and it said that he crowned him with glory and honor. That's in Psalms 8, verse 5. And in other words, he crowned him with the ability to reign in creation, to reign over creation. So crown here is not talking about something off in the sweet by and by. It's talking about a reward of faith that you receive when you endure the temptations that come at you. And I'm not just talking about moral problems. I'm talking about temptations of doubt, temptations that God won't come through, temptations that uh, what you're working on in faith won't happen. Talking about that as well. Now, to give you an example of this in Scripture, you remember in the Word of God when Peter, when Jesus was being crucified, he denied the Lord three times. You remember that? Now, he felt terrible about it, but nevertheless, the fact is, he denied the Lord. And afterwards, he repented. And so he overcame the temptation to not believe in Christ and repented from it. And what did God do? He crowned him with great favor, and he was the first one that preached the first message that did something that Jesus had never done. Jesus said, you'll do greater works than I have done because I go to the Father. The greater works, there was no one ever born again under Jesus' ministry while he was on earth, but Peter was the first one that experienced that. 3,000 people got saved, and 3,000 people were baptized in the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Spirit was not given until that moment in time, so he was the first one that did that. Why? He endured the temptation and repented, and God blessed him in a great way. And you find the same thing happened to him again. In the book of Acts, you remember the story? The church was growing leaps and bounds, and uh, people were giving money to the church, large sums of money. And you remember Ananias and Sapphira came up, or Ananias came first, and they decided to give the church a whole bunch of money. They had sold a, a big piece of property. I don't know, million, could, could have been millions of dollars. And you know what Peter did? He, Peter was tempted that day. You know what the temptation was? I know they're lying to me, and they're not giving the way they say they're given. I'll just receive the offering and pray for them later. He didn't do that. He said, why are you lying? Why are you lying? You could have just given whatever you wanted. That would have been fine, but you're lying to the Holy Ghost. And refused the offering. And what happened? He fell over dead. Remember, his wife came out later. She, she joined with him in her sin. She died too. But what happened to Peter afterwards? The anointing was so strong in his life that when he walked down the streets of Jerusalem, his shadow, if you got in the shadow of, of Peter, you were healed of infirmities. Wow. That's what I'm talking about, being crowned with life when you endure temptations and you keep serving God. There's just a, an acceleration of blessings that God puts you in this life that are extraordinary. And, and, and I think we need to remember that as, as a church, that, that, that when we obey God and follow God, we not only can control our circumstances, but we can receive a blessing from God that exceeds the one we had before. 
Amen. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, this is for you tonight, praise God. I believe God wants to give you a sugar daddy blessing, praise God. Hallelujah. Now, write this down. You've got to have two things to do this, nutrients and exercise. You say, what are you doing? Teaching health tonight. Now, I'm giving you a spiritual principle to apply to a natural means, okay? Jesus said that man shall not live by food alone, but he shall live by the word of God. In other words, food is enough. You're going to have to live by the word of God in your life. That's what Jesus said. Isn't that right? And exercise implies the fact that you've got to do more than just feed on the word. You've got to act on what you've been feeding on. Now, I'm going to take this to, you, to, to, a, to a, a different level so you can see this. When I get up and preach, I'm the chef. I'm making you a meal. That's my job, to make you a meal. Sometimes there's dessert. Sometimes there's just meat. Sometimes there's meat and dessert, but it's always a meal. And you need to feed on that. And so coming to church, hearing it, particularly on a Wednesday night, is really good. It fills up your spirit. You get fed. But you got to act on what you hear or it won't do any good. It won't benefit you. And I'm going to say something about the hearing of the word, which is critical. Hearing the word just on Sunday or even on Wednesday isn't enough. Faith comes by hearing and hearing about a word about Christ. But let me, let me, let me explain, explain that a little bit farther. You need to hear yourself say what you hear in church. You remember the Bible says in Hebrews that we're to hold fast to what? The confession of our faith. It didn't say hold fast to the sermon that you heard last week. It said hold fast to the confession of your faith. Why? Because when you hold fast to it, you hear yourself say the word, and whatever word is inside of you then can begin to grow and develop in your life. But if we don't talk about faith outside of church, if we don't declare faith over our children, declare faith over our finances, declare faith over whatever God has us doing in our lives, you're not going to see the impact that you need from the Word, even though you hear it. you got to hear it out of your own mouth. Now, here's the key. Confession brings possession. Were you saved because you heard the gospel one day in church? No. You were saved when you heard the gospel in church one day. And in Romans 10, what did you do? You came to church and you heard that message, but that day was different. You came forward and you gave your life to Christ and you confessed him as Lord. And the Bible said your confession was made unto salvation. Healing is made on a salvation same way. Prosperity is made on a salvation the same way. That's why when you hear the gospel, you have to keep it in your mouth. And if you keep it in your mouth, whoo, man, I'll tell you what, it is going to then begin to manifest in your mouth. It's not enough that you heard a sermon last week, but have you become a testimony of that sermon? Are you now declaring to your children, you're going to, you are king's kids. Are you calling those things which be not as though they were? Or are you still calling those things 
that are as if they can't be anything but that. Look at the verse here, Romans chapter 4. We can read the whole thing, but I don't want you to see this. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of him who, whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. In other words, here's the principle of faith. You call those things which don't exist in your life as if they do, and because you get it in your mouth, the power of God manifests and it comes into existence. When God told Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor, he wasn't a mighty man of valor yet. But when he got it in his mouth and he began to believe what God said about him, it came into existence. I don't know too many people that would go against an innumerable army with 300 men unless they were a mighty man of valor. But he didn't start out that way, but because he called those things which be not as though they were, he became what God said he was. And God calls you winners before you ever win a game. God calls you a king before you've ever been crowned. God calls you more than a conqueror before you conquer anything. Why? Because he's a faith God, and he calls those things which be not as though they were. We, in return, have to do the same thing. Faith will control your circumstances if you use faith on these things and call things into existence that do not exist in your life. I love what the Bible says, let the weak say they're strong. What? Because when you say that, God then empowers you. It didn't say when you're in trouble, say you're, you're, you're down and out and not going to make it. It said when you're weak, be strong. It said be strong in the Lord. You can't be strong in the Lord unless you're strong in faith. There's no way to be strong in the Lord unless you're strong in faith. I love to find weakness and just talk to it. Just talk to the weakness. Call it what God calls it and see it begin to change and transform into your life. When I think of this, I always think of Abraham when he, his name was changed from Abram to Abraham. He had been for many, many years wanting a child, him and his wife, no child. He's at a point in his age where he's impotent. And his wife has went through menopause. He needs a miracle. Listen, listen to me carefully. You, you can't believe in, the, in what is unbelievable without receiving what is impossible. And it's un, a lot of things that we face are unbelievable. But if we're going to do what is impossible, we got to believe what's unbelievable. Say amen. But what's unique about the story is that God comes to him and he says, all right, from now on, I want you to change your name. You, you were Abram, which means uh, winged. In other words, he's a person of vision. Abraham, he's a father of multitude. He says, I want you to start writing your checks, put Abraham on there. You got a sign for a car, put Abraham on there. And also change his wife's name. And then he gave him a date in which this is all going to happen. He said, oh, this time next year, you're going to have a child. But, but understand that Abraham heard the word. If he hadn't changed the name, he never would have said what God said about him. And but, so he started calling himself Abraham for three months. Abraham for three months. Abraham for three months. Abraham for three months. And it did two things. 
It gave him an opportunity to have a child. And here's the part I love. It gave him the ability to have the child. He was impotent. He couldn't have sex. But because he put the word in his mouth and possessed what God said, because he said it, the power of God took a man who normally didn't have the ability to do something and gave him the ability to do something. God has things in your life tonight that he wants you to do that are impossible, that you can't do in the natural, but if you get the word in in your mouth and you start to declare what God says, God will begin to give you an ability that you didn't have before. Lord, I don't have enough ability for my wife. I don't have enough ability for my job. Lord, I don't have ability for my children. And God will empower you through that. But the process is clear. Hear the word in church and hear yourself say it. Speak to yourself because you possess what you hear yourself say. That just scared me to death. Or I'm more than a conqueror. I would rather possess that. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you better possess this or you're possessed by the devil. Hallelujah. I want you to see this breakthrough, this blessing. Now, I'm going to want you to write this down, 1 Peter 3.15. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says this to the believers. He says, I want you, whenever you're in a situation, I want you to be able to defend your faith. He's not talking about winning arguments. He's talking about defending yourself in faith. Whenever you're exercising faith in your life, Satan will always try to challenge you about it. What God spoke to you 10 years ago, he's going to challenge you about it. What God spoke to you five minutes ago, he'll challenge you by it. What, 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 whatever word has went off in your heart, the devil will in fact challenge you to steal your confidence in that. And I'll give you an example in Scripture. You remember Jacob? Jacob had great faith for prosperity. He had, remember, he was flee, uh, fled from his brother, went for a work for Laban, ten times ripped him off in wages, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he was tithing because he had this dream of angels going up and down. And he had a word from God. God confirmed the covenant with him. And he was prospering. In fact, he got wealthy while Laban got broke. That was how, that's how he was doing. Now, he had some children. And if you remember the story, one of the children he had was by the name of Joseph, who had a dream in the night that he was going to be a person of great authority. And his brothers got jealous. Remember, they threw him in the wine, or not the wine press, but the, the, the pit, and, and he was sold into slavery. And then the interesting thing is that they took Joseph's garment that he had of many colors and they poured goat blood all over it and took it to the father and and gave them the impression that an animal had killed joseph who was one of his favorite sons look at how jacob responds to this look if you would in genesis 37 verse 33 and he recognized it and said it is my son's tunic a wild beast has devoured him Without a doubt, Joseph is torn into pieces. Notice he's not defending in faith. 
He's simply giving way to the confidence that he has in God. In fact, look at, let me show you one other verse. Uh, look over, and this is in Genesis uh, verse 35 of chapter 37. And all his sons and all of his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for me. Does that sound like somebody that is strong in faith? Not at all. And we're all, we've all been in those moments, amen? We just kind of throw perhaps whatever, whatever will be, will be. Here's the problem with it. Whenever Satan tests your confidence in God's word, which he will, whenever he does that, you just need to remember there's one thing. There's nothing that is hard for God to do. There's no problem that's too big. There's no situation that is outside of his reach. There's no situation that is too big for him to handle in any way, shape, or form. Now, listen, even if uh, Joseph had been torn to pieces, God could have put the pieces back together. Even if the devil has torn to pieces your marriage, God can put it back together. Even if the devil has messed you up so much financially that you got the tax people coming at you, they want to floor clothes on your home, they want to take your car, they want to put you in jail. I don't care how bad he's tore you up. God is a big God, and there's not anything that's too big for him. There's no sickness that's too big for him. There's no marriage problem that's too big for him. There's no situation that is too big for God. He's big enough to take you into liberty and freedom and power and deliverance, but you're going to have to hold on to your faith. And when that trial comes, you need to defend it in Jesus' name and say in the name of Jesus, God's Word says, by His stripes, I am healed. God's Word says, I will live and not die. God's Word says, I can do all things through Christ, and I resist this doubt. I resist this fear. Praise God. Man, there's power in that. You got to defend it. Got to defend it. Not allow the devil to just rip you off and steal your confidence. Because you know, when you read the end of the story of Jacob, after Joseph is promoted in Egypt, he becomes the second most powerful person in the world, known world at that day. Most powerful person. And, and, he, and the Pharaoh loves Joseph wants to meet his dad. He goes to meet his dad, and he can't believe how old he is, how old he looks. And Jacob tells him what had happened, the hardship in his life. In other words, he describes to him what happened to him the day he thought that his son was dead. That's the day the devil hit him in the gut, left him there, and he didn't defend his faith. And, but praise God, all things work together for the good for those that love God, and God is merciful and so forth. But he looked like an old leather jacket, wrinkled up and pruned up. Anyway, praise God. I don't want to end up like that. I don't want to end up like with shiny skin and all that kind of stuff and, you know. Amen. I don't want a walker. I want to be able to run. Amen. I know all you want the same thing. But here's the point I want you to see is that we're all going to be tested. Satan's not going to let you get that crown 
without fighting for it. He knows the only way he can get it from you is to get you to doubt. And so what you need to do is rise up and be strong, fight against it, and refuse to let the devil whip you. There's a verse in Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, of the woman who had the blood issue. I want to read one statement about her before she was healed because it's a powerful statement. It says, and, and had suffered, this woman, many things from a physician. How many know sometimes the cure from a doctor can be worse than the disease? Now, this is in the ancient world. It's even more so this way. And it says, she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She must have been a wealthy woman to be able for 12 years to, to hire a physician, especially during this time frame because they didn't have Medicare. They didn't have insurance. didn't have any of those things. You had to be wealthy to hire a doctor. So she just saw all of her money just starting to dwindle away. And said, oh, maybe I'll get better next time. Maybe I'll get better the next time. She got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. That woman... Once she heard of Jesus, she put her faith to, to, to practice. She began to say, if I just touch him in his garment, I'll be healed because he has an anointing that's, that's without measure. I'll be healed if I just touch the hem of his garment. And, and here's a woman whose ship has not only begun to sunk, it sank. But because she put faith on the project, God raised her to the service and gave her a great life. Can you say amen? Praise God. Some of you, you you're in your ship and you feel like it's sinking, and this is where it's going to settle. I'm going to settle with this. I'm going to have to settle with this. I'm going to have to settle with this disease. I'm going to have to settle with this poverty. I'm going to have to settle with all this hardship. And I'm telling you that God's word is bigger than that. Get your faith applied to it, and God can do miracles where you can't see a miracle and bring forth blessings that you can't see blessings. Oh, it's too, too late for me to prosper. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not too late for me to rise to the top. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not. Because there's nothing too big for God. Nothing's hard for him because he's the God of this universe that blesses. There's two kinds of unbelief we have to deal with in this faith that controls circumstances. The first unbelief comes... Write it down for reference, 2 Thessalonians 2, 2, it says, not all men have the faith. In other words, not everyone has heard the gospel. If you heard the gospel, you got faith. So there's some people that haven't heard it. That's unbelief. They're blinded because they haven't heard yet. Then there's other people who have been in church for years. I was raised in church, you know. I've been in Sunday school and all this. I've been confirmed. I've been water baptized, all this stuff. And yet... Your circumstances are controlling you. Your, your physical body that is troubled is limiting what you can do in your life. Your fears are controlling what you do and where you do it. I don't know if you understand, this is how Satan controls the world. He controls it through people's fears and circumstances. That's how it, it's, you know, if you're in a communist country, how do they control the people? What's the term they use? Not brainwashing. They put out news, information, propaganda. propaganda. 
Think about in America today, it's unhinged. People are totally out of control because their faith is not controlling anything. And they're unhinged. You know why? Because of propaganda. I don't care what news media you listen to. There's propaganda. You know what propaganda is? It's when you tell something that isn't true. And if you say it enough times, people accept it as truth. It is totally unleashed people in America where we are controlled by the media. We are controlled by what science says. We're controlled by it. It's propaganda. You know, it's against the law to go to a radio studio and pay a DJ to play the song you, you wrote repeatedly. You know why? Because if he plays it repeatedly, people not, might not like it in the beginning, but if they hear long enough, they'll accept it. We've got too many people accepting things that aren't truth. What we've got to do is ignore that and focus in on truth. What does the Word say? I don't care what the economists are saying. I don't care what the, you know, inflationists are saying. I don't care what they're saying. What, I'm, what I care about is what God's Word says. And God said that if I'm a good steward, he would open up the windows of heaven and pour a blessing upon me. That was so big and so great I couldn't contain it. And he would rebuke the devourer. Say amen. I don't care if there's pandemics all over the world. The Bible said that God will take sickness out of the midst of thee. And God said that no ill befall us or plague come nigh thy dwelling. So we got to absorb ourselves in that so that our faith will work. That doesn't mean you walk around so spiritual, you don't listen to good advice, but it just means those are facts. Facts are not truth. Facts change. Truth doesn't. Truth overpowers facts. Before you're over, I'm going to show that to you in a great way. But I wanted you to see that because your faith will literally change your circumstances. They will control your circumstances. They will control your future. Your faith will. Not, not, not whether you got a job or not. That won't control. No, no, no. Satan wants to control you with that, but God wants to control you with his will. And if you have faith in his will, it will control what comes at you. I don't know about you, but I preach myself happy again and again and again and again. I want you to hear this. So there's a struggle with many people with unbelief simply because they haven't heard. Might be people perish because of lack of knowledge. But then there's people who hear the word all the time that are perishing. All the time. My question is, why are they perishing? Because you, you got to do more than hear it. You have to act on what you hear. If you're not acting on what you hear, you won't become fully persuaded. Now, this is a powerful truth. I want you to get this. You'll always become fully persuaded in what you hear in the gospel over and over again if you hear it and act on it. Over time, you'll become fully persuaded in whatever it is. You may have enough persuasion to get a miracle, but it'll be, you'll get a big miracle once you become fully persuaded. But it's going to come because you keep hearing and hearing and hearing and acting and acting on it and acting on it 
and acting on it and acting on it. But here's the danger, and it's, it's in America today. If you hear the gospel all the time and you don't act on it, there's a day coming when you'll be fully persuaded it doesn't work. You hear what I said? In other words, if you sit in church week after week after week, hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and hear the word and don't do it, you're going to get to a place where you become fully persuaded. You know, I know that Jesus did that for so-and-so, but I don't think he'll do it for me. And you'll be so fully persuaded in doubt, you won't be able to get healed unless Jesus appears to you with a blue suit on your front door. So we got to hear it and do it. Hear it and do it. Don't, don't just say, yes, pastor, thank you so much for building me up today. Go home and build yourself up in your most holy faith. Don't say, praise God, pastor, we need to reach the lost and never do anything to reach the lost. Don't say, praise God, we need more prayer, and you're still down to five minutes a day. Let's do it. Let's do it. Because as you do it, you're going to become more fully persuaded in the Word of God, every time you do it. How many here in the church struggle with the fact trying to change? We, we all to some degree. Amen? I'm going to give you a, a revelation on this. This is my revelation to you. Change doesn't take any time at all. What takes time is deciding to change. That's it. People go to church week after week after week, and, and you're trying to get them to decide to, you know, to do the Word, trying to get them to decide, trying to get them to decide, trying to get them to decide, and then eventually they finally make a decision. That's why change takes longer than it should. It's actually pretty quick once you decide, I'm going to do God's will in this area. It actually happens pretty quick. It took me, gosh, 25 years before I finally decided to follow Jesus. But when it kicked in, it kicked in. I got changed quick, man. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, I'm ready for change. I'm ready to get blessed. Now watch this. I got to wind this down quick. Faith takes things over in your life. It begins to control every circumstance in your life. It controls your future. It controls your marriage. It controls your children. It controls everything in your life. I'll give you a case in point. You remember the Old Testament, Daniel was thrown into the lion's bed. That set of circumstances was taken over by faith. I don't know if you know this, but lions don't particularly like to eat people. They don't particularly like to eat people. There are people that get killed by lions, but these lions that were in the lion's den that he was thrown into, these were lions that had created an appetite for human flesh. And they would have pounced on him just like that if his faith had not been working. They would have chewed him up and spit him out. There was a, this happened in East Africa, Kenya. They were building a bridge. And there were two lions that killed 135 people while they're building that bridge. These were man eaters. 
and they were monsters. The scientists went in later and couldn't figure out why they kept hunting people. But they discovered that before the bridge was built, there was slave trading going on, and some Arabs would go across there all the time with human, human beings selling them, and there was a fly, and don't laugh at when I say this, it's called a, a, t- a, titsy, a titsy fly. Yeah, if I'm pronouncing it right. And this fly was a bloodsucker. And he would suck their blood, and he would produce what they called a sleeping disease. And if you got bit by this fly, you would die. So as they were transporting all these poor people into slavery, people were dying, and they would just leave them there. Well, over time, these two lions started feeding off these dead carcasses, and they developed an appetite for human flesh. So when they built the bridge, they're going, oh, dinner's here. Now, I'm saying that because I want you to see the power of Daniel's faith. He gets into a situation that normally, man, as soon as he hit the floor there where those lines are, he should have been destroyed. Those circumstances should have ate him up and devoured him. But faith controls the circumstance. Even when you got man-eating lions, even you got a fiery furnace that's so hot that the people that throw you in the fiery furnace are burnt up and killed, the power of God is so powerful because once you get faith working on your marriage, I don't care what kind of fiery furnace you're in. I don't care. You get God working on your finances. I don't care how big the locusts are. I don't care how bad the situation is. Your faith can control and stop that problem. It can move, make that problem move aside. It can take the Red Sea and move it aside and gel it up on both sides. It can cause the glory of God to pass through places that are waterless and cause water to follow as they're going through. There's not anything that's too big for God. And I know tonight there's people with some big problems. But God's a big God, and God wants you to know that if you get your faith on the project, he's going to control the circumstances in your life and breakthroughs around the corner, breakthroughs around the corner, breakthroughs around the corner. Wow, I just, when you start really studying this stuff out that God put in Scripture to edify us, to follow the example this ain't just somebody thrown in a, in a cage like at the zoo. This is different, severe. So faith takes charge of the circumstances. Write this down, Deuteronomy 28, 11 through 12. The 12th verse says this. It says, you shall be the head and not the tail. You shall be above only. The head is what controls the situation. The hand doesn't think, the feet don't think, your butt don't think, your stomach don't think. The head does all the thinking, it controls the body. But what's interesting, if you look at the verse before, it says, you will lend and not borrow. Why did he say that? Because he don't want you controlled by the people who lend you the money. Amen. Now, I'm not throwing any stones or whatever. I'm just telling you, God wants our faith to control our circumstances. He doesn't want us controlled by the system. He wants our faith 
to control the situations in our life so that it'd be blessed. All right, the other thing I want you to write down is simply this. Faith takes charge. It takes charge. And your faith determines how much or how little you get. It takes charge. Most people, when they read the Word of God, here's what they do. They look at their lifestyle, and they adjust the Word to their lifestyle. No, no, no. You need to adjust your lifestyle to the Word. What does the Word say you should be? How does the Word say you should live? How does the Word say you're, you're supposed to excel? How does the Word say you're supposed to live? God says he'll abundantly provide for you. He says that God will give you the desires of your heart. The, the Bible says those who fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. From ski boats to yachts to airplanes. I'm going to adjust my life to what the Word says instead of take my life and say, okay, I'm going to find in the Word and, and try to find verses that support the way I'm living right now. That's not how you change. Make sure that God's Word is the one that's determining your future and the visions in your life and the dreams in your life. Most Americans today will be happy just to Retire, have enough for themselves. That's not the word. The word says you should leave it in a good man, and I'm a good man. Are you a good man? You're a good woman? Good. Come on. Said to leave an inheritance to your children's children. Amen. Am I just preaching happy tonight? Are you getting a hold of this church? In other words, let's change our perspectives because faith controls our circumstances. And if we change our perspective, we're going to expect more than little, and we'll receive a lot from the Lord. And the last thing, I'll close with this. Faith controls time. Say it again. Faith controls time. There's a, couple, a lot of verses on this, but when God created creation, he said, light be, day one. It was the fourth day that he created the sun and the moon, which measures time. But time was created on the first day. It was created from God's faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The same faith that God had in creating creation, God gave you when you heard the gospel. Because the one that created the, gospel, created the world is Jesus. In the beginning, all things were made by him and for him. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. That's Jesus. And He's inside of us, and we have His faith inside of us to overcome. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.